good. I, I'm over in Auckland. The land of the long white cloud. How's so, yeah, yeah. It's it's been pretty overcast. So I guess I guess that's true. Although we did have one really sunny day two days ago, but otherwise, it's been uh, it's been pretty cloudy since. But man, love New Zealand. Beautiful. Yeah. Right. Um, so did you manage to catch much of the nines last weekend? Uh, just the sort of quarterfinal, semifinal, final. Hey, so my real life favorite team and my 2020 hype team were both in the final. How about that? <laughs> Cowboys and Dragons, yeah. Cowboys and Dragons. It was, the, that was a nines wet dream for me. <laughs> okay. So let's, we'll do a bit of a wrap up of the nines in a second. Um, yeah. when we talk about sort of the week's news. So this week, I want to talk about, well, I'm going on a bit of a myth-busting mission. Uh, mm-hmm. I was inspired by some of your data analysis last week, and I did some of my own. And mm-hmm. basically, I want to test whether or not the move from from wing to fullback or from center to fullback in real life actually results in an increase in supercoach points. Okay. So that's one thing I want to talk about this week. Mm-hmm. I also want to talk about, so, so a, a few weeks ago you mentioned something, well, I think you said something offhand, like you don't win Supercoach by playing it safe. And I think I sort yeah. of offhand agreed. And that's something I want to explore a little bit more as well because having thought about it a bit more, I'm not sure that I do necessarily agree with that statement. Okay. All right. Let's have it. We start with the news and the some of the trials and the nines. Who are who stood out to you in the nines? Cody motherfucking Ramsey. <laughs> that guy's that guy's so good. That's that guy's so good that he can score tries outside of the field of play. <laughs> oh god, I, I found it so funny that like anyway, so many people talk yeah. about like like how slow the game is and, you know, mm. what, criticizing refs for always going up to the video ref. And then I feel like yeah. the same people were like shitting their pants because that try had decided a game, a stupid game of nines. Yeah. But anyway, I think that was a perfect example of why we have the video ref. Yeah. Not very super coach relevant, right? He's, he's not, he doesn't have a look in for first grade this year. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. And like, obviously all, all the, all the most impressive guys like the hammer, Oh, the hammer! How good was he? Most of them are, are out, uh, sort of development players. Yeah. Um, but those were it. Was, it's those young guys that that I love to watch, um, even if they're not necessarily going to crack first grade this year. The other guys that I was looking at that I did have some interest in, Storm Boys, Nico Hines, Cooper Johns. They didn't do a whole heap. Nico Hines, uh, your boy, Nico Hines. He's a beautiful man. He's he's really handsome, isn't he? <laughs> Those long flowing locks. Oh my goodness! He's like a an Errol Flynn. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, he's almost as handsome as uh, Ryan Madison's biceps, which I did look out for. <laughs> he Ryan Madison is huge. Yeah, yeah I actually yeah, wonder cool. if he's gotten too big. Like yeah, he almost means, looks yeah. like a prop now. He's so yeah, big. Anyway, yep. Who else? Billy Walters looks fantastic. He looks yeah, really he good. Uh, it's going to be a shame if he if he doesn't really get get a go at the Tigers, um, especially since I think uh, I might be getting ahead of myself. But um, 
Didn't Harry Grant ask for a release or something now to go to the Tigers? This talk, this talk, I don't, I wonder, I don't know if that'll happen. So actually, yeah, right. Harry Grant, I watched him in the, the trial today, the Melbourne Warriors trial today, and he looked outstanding. Scored the first try, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He just looks like a footballer. He's not, he's yeah. not a sort of, one of those guys that's super dynamite out of dummy half, like a, like a cook. Mm-hmm. He's just a ball player. He's more like a, a Josh Hodgson sort of, Almost playing yeah. like a halfbacky type role. You know, it looks like he has yeah, all the he, skills, and yeah. he has that sort of um, right place, right time knack about him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Crisp service. He would be yeah. a steal. Like if the Tigers could get him, yeah, for both Super Coach and real life, it would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. So I didn't really see any other young guys that kind of jumped out at me, although. I guess, well, he's, he's already first grader, but obviously Scott Drinkwater had a fantastic tournament. Um, yeah, it looked I, amazing. Okay. So all the guys that yeah. I, like I was only really looking for super coach relevant guys, um, mm-hmm. most of, mostly established first graders. The guys that, that I, that caught my eye, Fergo, you know, I've got a love affair with him at the moment. He looked big yep. and strong and very good. He so, did. Yeah, he looked virile. <laughs> Um, so he's just he's he was a he's a lock in my team even though he already was. I thought Moses looked sharp even though he had a little yes. he had that little cry at the end of the game. I think thought he looked really sharp. Classic Moses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kikau looked amazing. Um, oh my god, so good. so good. I mean, it's obviously the nines, and he was playing against like mostly reserve graders. Um, but he definitely looked fitter in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, he takes one big run, and then you don't see him for twenty minutes because he's just exhausted mm-hmm. uh i get the sense he, he looked a lot lot fitter i still don't yep. think i'm necessarily going to pick him in my super coach team but he looked very very good so if i pick him it'll probably be over jai arrow who's currently in my team so just my reservations for uh, with kick and correct me if this is wrong first of all he does have a bit of an injury history is it is it hammies for him i don't know what it is for him but he's one of those guys like he's got a bit of a Josh Dugan, like seems to get injured and then plays on kind of thing. He always yeah, seems to have yeah. some niggling injury. I think he did have some kind of injury last year, but I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, but yeah, he is a bit injury prone. He, and he, yeah, and they're starting with a bit of a hard run, um, although I'm not sure how, how that's going to affect him. And but and it will open up in the second half of the year, and I believe I would want him in my team if he's still healthy at that time. Yeah, he look, he's... For me, he's an, an attacking base player and his draw scares me off a bit. And he had, even though he had a bit of a down year, you know, he, like compared to the year before last year, he still had quite a lot of attacking stats. So, yeah, yeah, I, I just can't pick him. He doesn't have enough and base. He plays he plays primarily on the left from memory. Yep. And uh, Cleary is on the right. Is that correct? That is a good question. I believe so because Maloney used to always play on the left. And you think you think Cleary's moving to the left? Oh no, no sorry, no, you said I... Cleary's on the right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure how much good ball kick I was going to get because Luai's more of a running half as well. Yeah, Coruscant looked amazing. Coruscant did look incredible. In fact, yeah. it annoyed me how good Coruscant looked because he was already in my team, and now I think a lot of people are going to pick him rather than Cook. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Um, hey, can I ask you? Yeah. Uh, uh, Cohen Hess, fact or myth? Yeah, he's on my list as well. I mean, he did look amazing. So I had a look at him. His stats last year, he still played 61 minutes. Mm-hmm. So he's only got 19 minutes there. And it, his, the, ba- the, the PPM base that he was going at last year, like that's not actually a lot that many extra points, 19 minutes. Yeah. The reason why he scored so poorly last year is because I don't think he either scored zero or one tries. He scored ridiculous. zero or one tries. He had a couple of games that, that he played in the centers. He has dicks yeah. for fingers. <laughs> like this. He has he has lost a lot of weight and he looked good. I wonder if, like, losing the weight was obviously good for the nines. I wonder if losing the weight might impede his try scoring ability because he used to be one of those guys who would just steamroll people. Yeah. Um. But certainly he looked fitter and maybe that would be good for his base. I mean, he's got to he's got to get the starting role for us for a start. Um, yeah, and we spoke about Shane Wright and how he looked pretty good, and obviously yeah. Cooper's got the majority of the minutes on the other edge. Exactly. So even if he starts, does he get 80? Like, maybe not. I think if you you pick him, you're basically picking him to go back to his try-scoring form. But that's basically where he lost all his points. So you're banking on him scoring a bunch of tries, which could happen. He's a try-scoring kind of player. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, his his base is just so bad and his minutes are sort of questionable. If he starts, I'll probably have a think about him. And he certainly, like, got back on my radar after that performance in the, in the nines. But, yeah, he's, he still hasn't done quite enough to, to be in my team. Yeah, yeah, absolute myth for me. Yeah, who else? <laughs> you used to love Hope Hess. Uh, yeah. Well, we spoke about Drinkwater. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing with Drinkwater is that he had a full, like, 10 or 12 games at fullback last year and only averaged, like, 38 or something. He his PPM from fullback was abysmal, and yeah. I, I don't really know why. Just didn't get involved. Well, that's a that's a good lead into what I want to talk about later in fullbacks. But anyway, yeah. So I don't know if he's going to do any better than that at five eight. He'll at least have some tackles that he'll have to make at five eight. Mm-hmm. So that'll boost his base maybe a little bit there. You know, maybe an extra year training with the team. Maybe he's in form. Get some more tackle stats. I'm not sure, but that. Just that run, like he had a full run of 10 or 12 games at fullback last year and scored poorly, that kind of scares me off. Yeah, yeah, me also. I'm just not sure why he would necessarily score more than that this year. Mm -hmm. We touched on Arrow. Oh, yep, yep. He looked great. He he looked as good as his haircut looked bad. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that haircut, that haircut's abysmal. abysmal. Corey Norman has bleached his hair. Oh, can I tell you who my who my new spirit animal is? Please. Okay. Did you watch the Storm Warriors trial this afternoon? I did watch some of it, yeah. Did you see Lewis Brown on camera? No, I didn't. Or Sharky. So he was wearing a grey tweed jacket, a white a white like Mandarin or grandfather collar shirt, those ones without the collar. Yeah. Like buttoned up all the way. Yeah. And his hair, his hair is like white, like Gandalf white. Like he's dyed it white. Yeah, yeah. Like he's dyed it, like 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 he dyed he bleached blonded it, and he's like, no, nah, not white enough. Go whiter. Yeah. Wow. Oh God. He he looks he looks like a like Eastern European DJ's 
guardian angel. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to go and find him, see if I can find yeah. a picture of it. Yeah, um, anyway. The other, the other guy I want to talk about who looked incredible is Josh Kerr. Oh, yeah. I thought he looked fantastic. Yeah, okay. Okay, sure. But where's, like, how's he going to get minutes at the moment? So Corbin Sims has Wolverine, uh, yeah. Wolverine bones that seem to, like, break and reheal themselves. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like well, they were saying Corbin Sims was injured, but it sounds like he's going to be fine. So, yeah, there's, yeah. there's Corbin, Graham, and, um, and Vaughn ahead of him and possibly Blake Lowry as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's some there's some news that like Trent Merrin might have tweaked a hamstring or something. Then... I heard that, and it was worse than 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 people are saying, and then it's not. And yeah, so it's I don't not know. clear like... what's happening. It doesn't sound that bad. They're still saying that he might play in the Charity Shield. Um, but you're right. Like I don't know where the, the minutes come from, Kerr. But yeah. based on that form, like I know it's just the nines, but he would be in my like if I was McGregor, he would be in the team, and he he'd get minutes, and he has an offload in him, he's got a try in him. Even if he was getting 30 minutes, I'd probably pick him. Yeah, I don't, yeah, and but that's the thing. I don't know if he's got much of a motor. He's a big guy. He does carry, I think, he's about 115 kegs. He looked and, fit as anything, though. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, anyway, yeah, he yeah. looked like he's lost some weight. Anyway, yeah. he, he impressed me, Actually, but you're right. There is a, there's a massive question mark over his minutes. Obviously, the other dragon and the young dragon who we didn't talk about was Tristan Saylor. Um, who also looked pretty good. He looked great, but my understanding is he's not in, in the shot for first grade, at least at the start of the season. So uh, yeah. I, I looked, so watching the trial, it looks like the wingers are going to be Pereira and Ravalaba. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't read too much into that. I, I reckon Saab's got a spot locked up at the no, very least. I don't think he does. Really? And I don't. I watch Saab pretty carefully, and I don't think he's ready for first grade. His body still looks like he's only he's only nineteen, and he looks like a nineteen-year-old. Whereas both Pereira and Rabalawa looks look like men. Um, but, but does he does he look any different to like who who's the bunnies guy the the left winger? Um, Campbell uh, Graham. Campbell Graham, like like he's he's just like a he's just like another Campbell Graham. I don't know. I look maybe maybe Saab's still in the shot, but it doesn't look like Sailor is. It looks like Pereira has a lock on the left wing and Ravalava or or maybe Saab with Ravalava having the, the inside running on the other wing. Apparently you know Tristan Sailor's only hundred and seventy seven centimetres? He's shorter than Matt Dufty. I'm hundred and seventy seven centimetres. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's why he's not being considered on the wing. He's very short. Yeah, okay. Uh, so um, I think he's been considered as a, a like a, a half, like a backup 5'8", or potentially fullback. But it looks like um, Womax has the fullback better down. Let's talk about some injuries. There has been a lot of injuries over the last week or so. I'm just going to start from the top of my list, no, in no particular order. Uh, Bradman Best, look, he's got a broken foot and it looks like he's going to miss a month of football. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it's, it's, it's hard to know. So in the trial, Heimel Hunt was playing on the wing and Shibasaki and Juala were playing, I think, in the centres. 
if Shibasaki starts in that team, I'm getting zero nights. Yeah. Like that Shibasaki is below first grade quality. He's like he's he's like yeah. Brisbane's next Lachlan Murray. Well, like the Dragons oh. just put like thirty points on them in the second half in the yeah. trial that it was just happened. Um if that means anything in the trial. But um yeah, Bradman Best is an interesting one. You know he's like 105 kilos. I didn't know that. He's huge. So mm-hmm. I may, depending on how bad the options are, I may actually pick Bradman Best anyway and just have him as the NMPR if there are no better options because I think he will come back into that team as a centre at 240k. I think he will make money. They play round 12. I just might start with him anyway. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine those other guys are going to keep him out of that team. Uh, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about him coming back and getting the right center position and being away from the action. Yeah, okay. I think in his couple of games last year, he played left center, but who knows? He did, he did. But let's say Heimel Hunt gets left center back because he played a lot of left center last year. Um, and, you know, but why play him on the wing in that trial? Unless he's going to play on the wing. He played on the right wing. I don't know. All right, let's let's move on. Matt Lodge. Uh, the yeah. initial reports were that he'd done his ACL and was out for the season, but they've retraced their steps, and now they're saying uh, that it's a, only a partial tear, and he's probably only out for maybe like six weeks or two months or something. Mm-hmm. I don't think too many people would have started with Lodge. I assume yeah. now that Pangai plays prop. Yeah. So, so the the second I read that news, I did my my best Larry Emder impression. I was like, Patrick Carrigan, come on down. And he was back in my team. Yeah, I thought about this as well. Like, if So I don't think it benefits Pangai, really, if he's going to play a prop. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think he gets a big upgrade from whatever he got last year. So mm-hmm. so I don't think that's anything there. Carrigan, maybe. I mean, if he's still dueling it out with offhand Gawi for minutes at that lock position, just don't know how many he's going to get. Maybe he gets 50 and, and 50 would be enough. Do you like Carrigan over, say, Jaden Sewer? Yes, because I can select Carrigan in, in the front row. Currently, my second row, I've got I've got no no spots in my second row, really. Yeah, that, okay. Or no guys in my second row that I want to really get rid of. Yeah. We'll see. If, again, we've talked about this. If Carrigan, Carrigan starts, then, then definitely. But I'm just still not convinced even with mm-hmm. the Lodge injury, that he gets a huge amount of minutes with, with Joe O sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. Dylan Edwards looks like he's out for a couple of months. So I assume that that Aiken starts, but they could also yeah. be Dane Laurie. So explain to me why Dane Laurie is listed as a front row forward. I assume because someone has fucked up and thought that, that he was the Dane Laurie that used to play prop for the Panthers. Okay, so if that's the case, they're going to fix that, right? And they're just going to make him full back in his team. I assume they will fix it, yes. But that would be amazing if they don't, and you could pick a full back as a prop. So, uh, okay. So when when that news came down, I looked at my team and I said, okay, so I've currently got uh, Turbo in one fullback position, Puppy in the other, Puppy's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and I've got Coruscant and Braley in my front row. So I looked yeah. at it and I said to myself, okay, so do I want Turbo plus Braley or do I want Cook plus Akins? which money-wise is not that much difference between the two. Um, 
And looking at it, I've still come to the conclusion that I want to hold on to Turbo plus Braley. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with Aikens. Yeah, neither. Even though Dylan Edwards is not a great player, I can't see that Aikens keeps him out of the spot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And back yeah. to Bradman Best, like, if again, that's the same sort of thing there. If, if Mogar or someone like that gets named, are they going to hold out Bradman Best? So if you pick one of those guys there, Bradman Best could just come back four weeks later and then suddenly you guys aren't playing anymore. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, and, I'm not really interest, interested in any of those Knights centers for that reason. Whoever gets that Bradman Best spot. I think Moga actually like has a slight hamstring issue as yeah, well. Yeah, I heard that too. But it might, he might be all right for round one. I don't know. Yep. Um, Bunty of Thoa has done his... ACL, and apparently mm-hmm. the the Warriors have let Sam Lissoni go to the Gold Coast. Oh, so they've just lost two props. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's much Supercoach relevance there, though. I don't know. Like, who mm-hmm. even are the Warriors' backup props? And they're just going to be like Lachlan Burr, maybe, and mm-hmm. who's the fourth guy yeah. now? Yeah, I, I mean, well, I'm interested to see as a result what happens to the hooker position once Jazz Tavanga comes back um, and whether uh, who's that guy they got from the Panthers? Uh, Wade Egan. Wade Egan. Whether whether Wade Egan sort of keeps the spot because there isn't they don't have much hooking depth now that um, Isaac Luke is gone as well. Nathaniel Roach is out for a while. It's it's one of the Lawtons I think. Yeah. Kyle. Yeah. Kane, yeah. Kyle. I can never remember, remember yeah. which one's which. Anyway, I, yeah, look, even if the Warriors now have like some fourth bench prop on there, I, d- I don't think that that's particularly super coach relevant. Mm-hmm. Cam McInnes. Mm. Yeah, that's sort of six to 12 week injury apparently. So he's probably going to miss at least a month of footy. Again, I don't know who this really benefits. I mean, you're not going to pick Isaac Luke. So, no. And, I and think... does it benefit like a Trent Merrin? I'm not even sure that it does because it. I think it might a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Maybe now because they'll have to have a... Well, they're going to have a bench hooker anyway. You would assume that Isaac Luke was going to be a bench hooker anyway. I wasn't convinced that they were. I was under the... Well, no. If it was my team, I wouldn't have a bench hooker because McInnes can play 80. You have the Queensland uh, hooker in your team already and you could have brought in some like utility back who could just fill in halfback if Ben Hunt has the to Queensland go to... Queensland hooker. Yeah. Who, McGuinness? No, Ben Hunt. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. yeah, but like, why buy Isaac Luke then? As a, as a backup, because they didn't have anybody else at all. Yeah, he was injury cover. And now that McInnes is gone, they actually did something clever, which was go and get Billy Britton from Souths um, yeah. as his backup. Yeah, that's right. So it looks like there's definitely going to be a well, Billy Britton will be on the on the bench to start with because there's no way you're playing Isaac Wood for 80 minutes. No. So maybe that benefits some of the the middle forwards a little bit. Maybe they get a bit more time instead of I a four so. forward bench. Mm-hmm. Trent Merrin doing a hamstring tweak doesn't fill me with confidence though. Yeah. And there's no one else in that real in front row that interests me that much, apart from maybe Kerr. If he, as we said, if we can get some time. But apparently Nick Meaney's injured for a while. Okay. Yeah, there's potentially like one or two outside back spots 
with the Bulldogs up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Josh McGuire looks like he's going to miss one week or something with a knee injury. It's kind of neither here nor there. Ethan yeah. Lowe, sorry. So I was, I was going to say um, my my young friend, Mr. Frank Molo, might get a start. Yeah, for one week. Ethan Lowe looks like he's uh, going to be okay. Mm-hmm. going to play around one. So, yeah, that's potentially bad for Sua. Taniela Paseca is injured for a while to add to another sort of middle manly guy that's injured. Yeah, I'm, is, I'm, this, is this starting to worry you? Sorry? Is this starting to worry mm-hmm. me with Turbo and DCE? Yeah. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit. It's also making me really want to get Marty to power in. Me too, but there's just no, yeah, no avenue. Yeah. But yeah, Marty's power could be a great early season buy. Mm-hmm. And the last one I've got on my list is Monorovsky. Okay. But he doesn't. It doesn't sound like he's going to be out for a huge extended period of time either. It's just mm-hmm. a, an ankle injury. Um, yeah, huge list of injuries. I think only, as we said, a couple of them are sort of very super coach relevant. Mm-hmm. Definitely, Bradman Best is. I think pretty much everyone was going to have him. Yep. So, should we move on to uh, my mid? Busting uh, expedition. So okay, so which guy are you? Are you the the guy with the hat and the weird mo, or with the beret and the weird mo? Or are you the other guy? Well, I'm already going bald, so and I do wear a lot of white shirts. So yeah, I think the beret is. I'll start wearing beret. All right. Yeah. All right. So last week you were talking about points. I guess the points in the various positions and which which positions score better than others. Yep. Um, and that got me thinking. So basically, it seems to be sort of the conventional wisdom in Supercoach that if a player goes to fullback, um, they're automatically just going to rain Supercoach points. Supercoach points are going to rain down upon them. And that I, makes sense because because of how many um, kick returns they get. Sure. Uh, that's, that's true. But they also get a lot less of other things, potentially. Yes, so That's less true. tackles, particularly compared to a centre, they get less tackles, and potentially compared to a winger, they get less tries. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I, I guess I just wanted to go through the data and see whether or not this thing about people that the guys moving, particularly from centre or wing to fullback, actually resulted in an increase in supercoach points. Okay, let's so, call it the Zach Max test. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, and it, exactly. It's got particular ramifications for Zach Lomax, particularly Adam Dewey, although he played a little bit of fullback last year as well. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe Isaaco. But yeah, it, it seems like whenever I read Supercoach forums or people talking about it, they're like, oh, I'm picking this guy because he's moving to fullback. You hear that all the time, right? Yes. Okay. So, so the first thing I did is I looked at every single guy – uh, last year that played fullback and I only, so I took out injury affected games. So I only mm-hmm. looked at um, like 80 minute games basically. And mm-hmm. I only looked at guys that actually played in the number one jersey. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's about 30 guys that played fullback last year. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm only counting guys that played at least say three games. 
Now, you said last last week that you just didn't even look at fullback because you assumed it was going to be the highest scoring position. And I think based on what you said last week, I'm not sure if you – did you take out injury-affected games in your analysis last week when you're going no. through positions? No. No, but I, I only included players that had played at least, I think it was seven or eight games within that specific position. Okay. So it's, maybe it's a slightly different measure, but I the average I got for all those guys – and again, took out injury-affected games, so 80-minute games only, at fullback, was 51. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty high, I think. Um, yeah, that's pretty close to the highest that I found. I think I had five-eighths at 50 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. so potentially it is the highest scoring position, or at least in that ballpark. And mm-hmm. as a comparison, I, got, I looked at all the centres, and again, I only looked at guys... Um, I didn't actually go through every single centre and take out the injury-affected games, but I only looked at guys who averaged at least 78 minutes for the season. And and I got an average of around 43.5. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you just take those two numbers, it definitely looks like fullback is the highest scoring position. Yes. However, I then went and did a little bit uh, more digging. Mm-hmm. So... What I realized was looking at the top five fullbacks, and, and again, this is their, their fullback game. So like Kalen Ponga, for example, I took out his games at, at five at five eighth. Um, mm-hmm. Pappenhausen, I only looked at his 80-minute 80, 80 games. Those top five guys had averages of, well, Ponga, Ponga's average was 73, Pappenhausen 95, Tedesco 84, Turbo 86, uh, and RTS 71. Mm-hmm. So... And again, there's only, well, there's only about 30 guys I'm looking at here. So mm-hmm. it, it struck me that those guys were sort of way above that average. Um, mm-hmm. And if I took those five guys out, that the average was going to drop a lot. And so it sort of struck me that there's sort of, I guess, two levels of fullbacks. There's kind of your, your top guys who were like way ahead of the pack. And then there was a bunch of guys that were, you know, a long way further back. When I took those five guys out, the average went down to 44.7. Okay. So remember I said 43.5 for the centers. Yep. Now, okay, you could say that's an unfair comparison, right? Because, you know, I'm not taking any of the top centers out. But in the centers, there aren't really those kind of outliers. The only outlier, so remember I've taken out all the, the kind of back row guys. So it's only people that actually played in the centers or on the wing. Uh-huh. The only guy that was a real outlier was Latrell Mitchell, who's, okay. who had an average of 70. The next uh-huh. highest scorer was Nopaluma with an average of 65. Okay. So even when I took out the top five center wings, the yeah. average only went, and remember there's a lot more of them as well, the average yeah. only went down to 43. Right. So you're now comparing those two, two marks are now 44.7 versus 43. I see. That's, that's not a big difference. Not at all. No. So, so okay. So, if I understand what what you're saying in your massive manipulation of this data, <laughs> um, the current crop of elite fullbacks is so elite that they drag the average up for the rest of the fullbacks. And when we see these elite fullbacks, that's what we're sort of that that's that's our sort of pipe dream when we hear about these other players going to fullback. But really, really, they are an outlier. Um, 
and the average player going from center to fullback is probably going to get an extra point a game. Yeah. So I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that just putting the number one on sort of an average player's back isn't going to turn him into James Desco. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the data seems to be saying that there are, I guess, putting them at fullback gives the op- gives them the opportunity if they're a good player and they're the kind of player that's really hungry for the ball and they're, you know, they can make tackle blasts and line breaks and set up tries. It gives them the opportunity to do those things. But that's not going to happen unless they are a very good player. So I want to go through. So, so the next thing I did is I looked at some players who actually played in both positions during the year and compared their averages at each of the position. Yes. Um, so we're going to do, go through that in a second. But just to, to go back to my point, let's just look at some, some average scores of fullbacks during the season. Mm-hmm. All right. Corey Thompson, 52.2. Jordan mm-hmm. Kahu, 39, with goal kicking. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is their scores at fullback. Yes. Uh, Nick Meaney, 36. Adam Dewey, mm-hmm. 38. Scott Drinkwater, mm-hmm. 39. DWZ, 41. Mm-hmm. Dylan Edwards, 52. Mm-hmm. Michael Gordon, 42, with goal kicking. Yep. Milford, 46. Mm-hmm. Aikens, 40. Corey mm-hmm. Allen, 31. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darius Boyd, 36. Mm-hmm. Brimson, 54. Dufty, 47. Mm-hmm. Dugan, 50. Johnston, 41. Mumbai, 46. Norman, 42. Your mate, Connor Watson, 36. Hopper, 58. Gutho, mm-hmm. 60. Klockstad, 56. Hughes, 58. Um, Moylan, 48. And Tamir Martin, 29. That's not great reading. That is not great reading. That is yeah. 25 fullbacks. And the only three guys that really, like, again, outside the top five that we've already spoken about, the three guys that really did well were Hughes, Klockstad, and Gutherson. And what do they have in common? Uh, they were playing in very high-scoring, very successful teams. Yeah, that is right. So when you're thinking about, say, Lomax, Dewey, they are not going to be playing in those successful teams. And so the next thing I did is compared as I said, the guys that played in both positions and looked at mm-hmm. what their what their average was in uh, at fullback compared to, say, on the wing or in the centres. Mm-hmm. So we've got Corey Thompson, 52, against, at fullback against 43 in the centres. Mm-hmm. Kahu, 39, against, uh, at fullback against 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meany, 36, at fullback against 45 on the wing. Mm-hmm. DWZ, 41, at fullback, 33 on the wing. Mm-hmm. Corey Allen, 31 against 27. Mm-hmm. Dugan, 50 against 62 on the mm-hmm. winger in the centres. Johnston, yep. 41 against 41. Yep. Mumbai, 46 against 44. Mm-hmm. And Hopoati, 58 against 57. Right. So there's nine guys there. What is it? We've got four that are, have clearly better averages at fullback. Mm-hmm. Three that have clearly better averages in the center wing than fullback, and a couple mm-hmm. that are very close. Yep. So, it's a lie. It's all a lie. <laughs> I wouldn't quite say that it's all a lie, but I don't think the difference is enough to pick a guy. 
just based on that. And again, this is averages, right? And it all depends. So if you get a, a guy, actually, I was actually watching Lomax today in the trial, and he actually looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like he was quite ball hungry. Uh, he was involved in two or three tries. He actually slotted over a couple of goals from the sideline. I'm going to talk about goals in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually six foot three. He looks like he's put on a bit of size in the off season. In the off season. Yep. So he's, he's actually done enough to for me to pick him in my side at whatever he is three twenty five k. But Dewey, these stats are telling me I'm not sure that I would pick Dewey just based on the fact that he's going to play fullback. Mm-hmm. And certainly Isaaco, I, I don't think I'd be picking just based on the fact that he's going to play fullback. No, and, and I is. agree with you. So, yeah, so so neither Dewey or Isaaco are in either of our teams, right? No, not at the moment. Yeah. yeah. If Dewey gets the goal kicking, so the other thing I did is actually looked at how much do you reckon goal kicking is worth? Uh, in, a, the, in a bad team. In a bad team, I think it's worth eight points. Yeah, that's about right. So Michael Gordon, I think it was about eight and a half or nine points last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Widdop was a bit more. I think he was close to 11. Okay. Uh, I think Kahu was around nine or 10. Mm-hmm. So the goal kicking, so uh, these stats are sort of telling you that I think on average, your average guy that's not your in like your Tedesco class is probably going to get you somewhere in the low 40s mm-hmm. um, at fullback. And if mm-hmm. you add goal kicking, maybe that puts them, that gets them up to about around 50. Okay. Probably both Dewey and Lomax, if they have the goal kicking, are probably worth it. That's a sort of 15, 16 point upgrade for Lomax, 14 point upgrade maybe for Dewey. Mm-hmm. Mm. But, it, you know, that's on average. It, it really depends on on what they they do with that fullback position, you know, how much they actually use it to get more involved. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Mm. What? How do you feel about male jewellery? <laughs> Not great about it. No, I Not don't wear. Much. I don't wear any male jewellery, and I probably judge people that do. Really? What yeah. about novelty male jewellery? <laughs> no, I do not make a habit of wearing novelty male jewellery. And and yet you've got some, right? Are you talking about the fairly disgusting gold, uh, sorry, not gold, diamond-encrusted NRL fantasy ring that I have? That's the one. That's the one. (laughs) And how did you you come across this little treasure? It was bestowed upon me after my 2016 NRL fantasy uh, victory. I I think I won it twice. I wore, it, I wore it to the races once and like a bunch of very drunk dudes kind of noticed it and started shouting me beers. Yeah, I was there. I, I, right. I, think, I, kissed, I think I kissed it like you were the Pope or something. Um, but <laughs> I think I was like within the months after the win. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you won NRL Fantasy in 2016. Yeah. Um, so my – okay, so my first question is – and I, I've actually never asked you this before – uh, why don't you play NRL Fantasy anymore? So I haven't actually checked this year, but a couple of years ago, they took away the prize money. Oh, so really? So the year I won, not only did I get that horrific ring that was apparently valued at like 
five or six thousand dollars, but I mm-hmm. I won fifteen thousand in cash. A couple of years ago, they changed it to like two tickets to the grand final was the the grand prize, and that just didn't interest me. But also, I don't like it as much as I like Supercoach. Uh, and they've, okay. they've changed the format of it a little bit as well now. Like it's not a you don't have a twenty five man squad anymore. You've got like I think it's a twenty one man squad and. Your eight guys that aren't in your seventeen are just floating. They can be in any position, mm-hmm. um, and it's Let's a much see. more defense orientated game. Yeah, it's more um, about the base stats, right? That's right. That's right. Which, in some ways, makes it easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much at so. least, and at, least more, at least more predictable. Yeah, and Supercoach has, has been like your first love, right? You've been playing for like ten or eleven years. Yeah, and it's also my white whale. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Yeah. So, going back to going back to that winning season and all the Super Coach seasons that you've played um, as well, mm-hmm. um, do you find that, like, what, what do you think breeds success in fantasy? Is it um, being a little bit contrarian and going against the grain, or is it just um, being relatively conservative but Getting ahead of the curve just a little bit, just enough to 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 get those get those small those small benefits. Okay, so the first thing I want to say is going. I think going with or against the grain and being conservative are two different things. Okay, how so? so? I think that the way to win, well, so the way I won in our fantasy, certainly I didn't do anything crazy. I pretty much captained Cameron Smith every week. He was the, he was clearly the best player, so you know. So that was, a, a, I, I would guess you would say that's a fairly conservative strategy, but I don't necessarily think that everyone would have done that. Um, I can't remember having any huge pods. I had that was the season where Canberra went really well, twenty sixteen, and I had both Joey Leilua and Jared Croker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that combination was a bit of a pod in the sense okay. that. A lot of people had one or the other, but not. I don't think many people, at least in the top sort of 50, had both. Yes. And that is an interesting concept there in itself, which is you don't necessarily need pods, but combinations can be pods. Yes. And I got on runs early, and I think that's one of the most important things. Um, you know, obviously starting with a very solid team, a good team, um, but then picking – when guys go and run. So, for example, in Supercoach last year, Jazz, Jazz Devanga was a good example, uh, Manu Mao, uh, mm-hmm. David Fafita at the end of the season. Like, mm-hmm. you've got to see those kind of runs coming early on. Valentine Holmes in 2018, I got on him that season. I ended up having a really good end to 2018 because I was captaining Holmes almost every week. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to see those runs early and get on them. You can't miss them. But And, hey, sorry, just... That that begs the question: Like, what do those runs look like at the beginning before they before they turn into runs? <sighs> yeah, that, that that's interesting because I suppose what you're looking for is some sort of um, like an increase in minutes or an increase in base stats. I mean, there is a bit of an element of risk here because in order to get on the run early, you're often going off not a lot of data. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, so you're there is a you know there's a risky element there, but I don't think you're you're. It's a calculated risk, I guess. You're, you're seeing a pattern that's emerged. I remember one of the one of the winners from ages ago said the reason he won is because because he got on Jamal Idris like halfway through the season, and he said, "I saw this guy, and he's he had base of fifty five or something, and he mm-hmm. hadn't scored a trial year." And I thought, if this guy scores a couple of tries and starts getting some attacking stats, he's going to be the best center of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was, and he got on him really early before anyone else did, and then. His price went through the roof, uh, and he said Jamal Idris in, in himself almost won in the comp. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't think that's that's going against the grain, perhaps, or at least getting ahead of the curve. But I don't think it's it's a it's a very risky play necessarily. It's not. Um, I wouldn't call it conservative, but yeah. So I think there's pods you can pick that put it this way. Sometimes there are highly owned players that I think are a mistake to be highly owned. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like the, the the general consensus is basically incorrect. So sometimes, and, and it's not that easy to identify that, but sometimes not picking those players or picking someone that is a pod that is lowly owned is again going against the grain, but it's you're doing it for a good reason. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so you're saying, yeah, yeah. So now I understand what you were saying before. We said it's diff. There's a difference between going against the grain and being conservative. That's right. So I don't think you win Super Coach by like captaining a winger every week. Mm-hmm. Not that anyone's necessarily going to do that. But like when I think mm-hmm. of, you know, I don't think you need to be like outlandishly risky. I think you can pick a pretty, you know, sort of standardish team, maybe with one or two sort of points of difference, but. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to get, I guess I'd like to get the thoughts of some of the, the, the more recent winners um, and, and particularly things like captaincy choice and, and how many pods they had during the year. I think you'll find that they actually played fairly conservatively okay. in a lot of ways. I don't think they would have had like outlandish captaincy choices or, or things like that. They would have, there's, a, there's definitely a huge amount of luck involved in, in winning these things particularly with like injury and, you know, picking the, the center wing that kind of like last year, I kept picking Sivo when he scored 20 and not picking him when he scored a hundred. You've got to get those things right. But, and I think there's a certain amount of luck in that, but yeah, I don't, I don't think necessarily like going with really risky strategies is the way to go. Mm-hmm. It's going against the grain where you see really good reasons to go against the grain mm-hmm. uh, that are probably backed up by some data. Okay. Okay. Uh, what do you think? I, I I would tend to agree with you. I feel like there's obviously a point in everybody's season where the, uh, they look at how many weeks in they are, they look at what position they are overall, and uh, decide whether they have to start, you know, swinging for the fences. Um, you know what though? Mm-hmm. If I was coming first, right? Yeah. And, you know, everyone else said, thought, oh, this guy's too far in front. I'm going to start swinging from the fences. That's exactly what I would want. I would want them to take risks and I'd want them not to come off. Because by definition, most of them aren't going to come off. Sure. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I guess 
uh, I guess you can't you can't defend that anyway. So, I mean, obviously, obviously, you're not going to catch the guy 500 points ahead of you if you have the exact same team as him. Yes, but even then, you know, I don't necessarily think doing like crazy outlandish things is the way to go. I mean, if you're a thousand points back, you're pretty much you're probably not going to win anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you have some kind of unless there's some kind of miracle, but yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, what what's the what's the best strategy if you're 500 points behind the leader? Yeah, like how risky do you go, or do you kind of hope that the leader fucks up? Yeah, I think if you've fallen 500 points behind the leader. Um, and it's still before the first buy. I think you just got to stay the course yeah. and um, and uh, trust in your buy planning. Um, if if it's after the first and definitely after the second buy, um, yeah, start thinking about NFL fantasy. I think. <laughs> yeah, I've listened to um, last year's winner talk a little bit and and a few others, and they all say that. After the second buy, it is very hard to catch up. Mm-hmm. I suppose if you were, yeah, put sort of three, four hundred points back, which is still like maybe five hundred points back, still almost close enough that mm-hmm. maybe you would, you know, at least with your captain choice and maybe a pod hero there, try and try and do some risky things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I certainly think you can win Super Coach playing a fairly smart game. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. like a fairly kind of like what I would call a percentage game. I don't think That's you need to, to to go crazy with risk risk taking. Well, how about we leave it there for this week? Uh, yeah. Enjoy the rest of your the trials, and uh, I think the World Club Challenge is on tomorrow morning as well. Yeah, the All Stars game is like just started. I think. So yeah, I just, just started. Watch, We're recording on Saturday night, so yeah. yeah. Um, all right, good to chat as right. always. Love love ch- chatting, Super Coach, with you. Thanks, you too, and uh, can't wait to get uh, get back to Oz, and we can have have another another chat next week. Nice. Enjoy New Zealand. See ya. See ya.